HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi there, Greenhorns. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio. I'm happy to be here today with Mesa King, who's farming. She's farming in Austin, Texas, and uh, has recently been in touch with Sandra Ball, who's our Greenhorn in Texas. And, Nathan, thank you for being on. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Hi. How's the weather out there? Uh, right now it's sunny with clear skies and probably about 60 degrees. <laughs> wow, that doesn't sound too shabby. I know. It's really nice, actually. <laughs> I'm building a greenhouse right now, so it's perfect weather. Perfect greenhouse building weather. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your um, farm operation as it's set up and then... And how you came to it? Sure. Um, the way it, it works, uh, it's a pretty recent development, and um, there's a farm in, in town, an urban That's farm good. called Greengate Farm, uh, and the farmers there are named Skip and Aaron. And back in uh, about October of last year, they approached my husband and I um, and said that they had this great idea for an incubator farm where they could rent out a piece of their property, about an acre, to young farmers and let them sort of get their business off the ground and, um, you know, and do, you know, do their thing and try it out. And so we did that with them. And so we're just starting, we're just getting into our first sort of season here with them. Um, and so right now we just pay for water and for tractor use and that's it. We have access to his facilities and so it's, it's a good deal. It's a big deal to have somebody else's tractor to learn on. It's a great, yeah, it's great, you know, because, you know, the startup costs just for what we have done, which is sort of buy seeds and, you know, buy flats and, you know, building this greenhouse and stuff like that, that alone has been pretty expensive for, you know, a couple of people who are just starting. So to have, you know, tools and, and a tractor and a barn and a wash station, I mean, all of that is, is just great. Well, it's the little things they do add up, don't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we spent, you know, we only have, I mean, right now we're only planning on a quarter acre and then we're going to expand and the seed costs were like $300 or something. So, yeah, they definitely add up. So when you were walking into this arrangement, you were coming with some money in your pocket and some experience, hopefully also in your your kind of tool belt. Um, mm-hmm. Well, how much experience and how much money? Well, um, 
the experience was we had both, my husband and I got into farming at the same time, and neither of us really had any agricultural background. But um, about, it was about two years ago that we decided to intern on a farm in New York, actually. Um, and then that was a season. And then we came to Texas, completed another season as an intern, and then both got jobs on farms and have been working on farms for the last year or so. Um, and so that was that was our level of experience was that we were, you know, we really sort of felt like we want, we had been working on farms and we wanted to take the next step, um, but we didn't know how, you know, we didn't have land. And so with money, I mean, we just, I mean, we're, we're poor. <laughs> so we had, you know, a little bit of stuff in savings, but we were just, you know, sort of the same as the next guy. <laughs> So you were fell in love first, and then you fell in love with farming. So you've been kind of on the apprentice path together this whole time. <laughs> I guess. Is that true? Where you meet farming? Sorry? Were you farming? You you were in love with each other before you were farming, and then you fell in love with farming, and then you were farming together, or you met through farming? No, we fell in love first, and I was actually doing a, gra- a graduate program in history, nothing to do with it, and he was working in, uh, in a nonprofit in Boston, and that's where we were living. And, um, and we both just weren't happy with, with, with what we were doing, and we didn't really think of the city life was for us, and so we were like sort of an abstract. We were like, oh, you know, wouldn't it be cool to, to live on a farm and work on a farm and see how it works? Because we were both really interested in food and... And we were learning all about the food industry in the country and sort of some of the problems with it. So um, that was how I got the idea. So we found this internship in New York, and we moved there together. Which farm did you intern at? It was called Ryder Farm, and it was in Brewster, which is about an hour north of the city. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. So my friend a... Doug, he worked there, too. Oh, really? Did you know Doug? <laughs> I think he worked there after you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, she has like six or eight interns when we were there, and I think you know she was. It was just her, and then she had a bunch of interns, so she she sort of cycled through. <laughs> so so you had some you had some job skill set and um, some experience before you went into agriculture, and I think that you know there's many people who take the leap from nonprofit professional world into the you know slowly for profit um, farming world, and. Um, there are obviously applicable skills and things that are super useful that you learn in the nonprofit sector um, that can be applied to the um, little bit of profit sector of farming. Could you maybe elaborate about, you know, particularly like grant hunting and computer savvy? Um, what what did you find um, really served you well in your um, progression towards professional farmer? Yeah, well, I think that um, I think one of the biggest advantages that Travis and I have uh, as we enter in that, that we're discovering is 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 really not anything that has to do with necessarily I think with our professional background, but maybe just our age is the fact that we know how to use the internet. <laughs> I'm finding that a lot of farmers around, just at least in Austin here, like there's sort of a there's sort of a, a generation gap, I guess you could say, that a lot of people, you know, there's not a lot of young farmers out there, like, doing farming. And so just being able to search for things, you know, on Google and, like, finding stuff 
you know, online and ordering things online and, you know, being able to research things online. I think, I mean, that's not really something that I see a lot of older farmers doing um, around here. So um, I think that alone has been sort of really beneficial. Um, and then I think also we both sort of have, um, we don't have a business background, but I think that, you know, being able to see farming, uh, being able to go to farms and working on farms instead of being like a like a career switch farmer, um, like doing the process of like going to like interning and then working on farms and like seeing how other farmers do it and critiquing it and then trying to see what works and what doesn't work and applying that to our own I think has also been a really big advantage for us. So figuring out your own personal style that's a big one. That's what and that's. Really, that's been one of my most favorite parts of farming is, like, dabbling around and looking at all the different ways that people approach a certain set of problems and the, way, the different ways in which they um, design their farm operation to meet their market and meet their own personal sensibilities and values. Yeah, definitely. Um, but definitely. one thing you were saying about the Internet um, reminded me of this book that I found in a used bookstore. It's called um, Gardening in the Mail. And uh-huh. it's a book that was made as like a compendium of all the mail order catalogs used um, <laughs> that supply supply gardening equipment. Um, because <laughs> you know, we we look back at a time in America where there were better feed stores, and you know, the equipment that you could buy locally in rural areas was, you know, a better made and b better better available. Right. Um, and as now, you know, the stuff you can get at Ace and at the feed stores are just kind of shitty quality. Right. But um, <laughs> but gardeners, and especially, like, you know, people who really care about gardening, they've had the problem of being a little bit alone for a long mm-hmm. time. And this book had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of companies who were doing business exclusively on mail order. And it was like almost a 19th century phenomenon of, yeah. you know, you're out on the prairie getting the catalog of the Sears Roebuck catalog in the oh, mail yeah, and know. You know, ordering your equipment. Yeah, it still works that way sometimes, it seems. You know, I mean, there's seed companies I know of that don't even take online orders. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> but, yeah, there's a, I know. There, and um, I'm ordering my chickens. Um, they're Freedom Ranger chickens, and they're uh-huh. really great, and they have strong legs, and they're like a French um, heritage, um, not super heritage, but kind of medium heritage breed. And they're uh-huh. made by Anabaptists, and you have you can't do business on a Sunday, and you can't send an email order. <laughs> and it's so cool. Yeah, I know. Anyway, yeah. it's funny. Yeah, I like it. I, it, feels, it feels durable to me that you'd have to call up somebody on the phone and talk to them. And the people, um, do you know the... Norton's Farm Supply in Pennsylvania, they have really good prices. Uh-huh. And they have the most amazing accents. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, when I was working on the farm here, we ordered our sweet potatoes kind of the same way. Like, it was just some guy. I don't know. <laughs> he was just a guy. But you had to call, and you had to get him when he wasn't in the field. And, you know, <laughs> there, was no, there was no sort of formality at all. So... Um, I could talk about that whole subject for, like, another hour, and particularly because there's this new seed company in Weathersfield, and we're doing a seed circus with them in Connecticut, and they are setting up a seed company that does only telephone orders and mail. Yeah. And they're doing everything by hand and in person as a, as a kind of a matter of principle. It's almost like an art piece. 
But um, but I have to move on to new topics. And the thing I wanted to talk about is your market. And I've just been reading that Austin, Texas is like an incredibly young city and lots of people are moving there. And the economy Uh has not suffered as a result of all these young people who have ambition and drive and who are starting, you know, projects and businesses. Um, Uh What's your what's your experience of Austin and and what, how are you designing your farm business to meet that market? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, Austin is really, I think, a special city when it comes to I mean a lot of things, but especially when it comes to sort of food and farming and and people being open to um, to that. Um, and so there's right now there's I'm not sure exactly how many farmers markets in town. But it's a really booming industry, and I think more and more people are are becoming interested in it every day. Um, most of the farms around here are market growers or CSA growers or both. And um, what there's sort of an added bonus in Austin is that it's very, like you said about you know not being not suffering from the economy. There's a lot there's lots of local businesses in Austin, and it's very local business friendly. And there's lots of local restaurants with chefs who want to buy local food and, you know, and serve it to their customers. And so that, that market is actually where my husband and I are trying to tap into um, because it's, it's right now it's a need that sort of, that sort of hasn't been met. Um, so what we're trying to, to see is instead of being a market grower or a CSA grower is if we can find some sort of direct wholesale um, business model that works here. Um, where we sell directly to, to, to chefs who, you know, change their menus at the season and who really stress local organic food. Sounds awesome. Yeah. There's, it, yeah. <laughs> and it's happening. I mean, what's been really fun in, in the Hudson Valley, we've been meeting all sorts of people who are, um, myself included, working for a specific restaurant and, uh-huh. you know, exclusively supplying that restaurant and and. and you know, the result of that relationship is obviously dependent on, you know, the caliber of both sides of the equation. But, right. you know, there's a, it's pretty good training, like boot camp-wise, for, for the grower to have to be consistent and for the chef to have to accommodate, um, you know, a lot of fava beans, a lot of fava beans when you got them and then none. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, we're really excited to move forward and see how it see how it works out. We have, you know, a couple of of customers right now who who are just really excited to to have the opportunity at all. So, you know, I think that it's going to it's going to be really good. Um, okay, so so you have a bump in local food scene in Austin. What else mm-hmm. do you have? What is like what's kind of going on out there in your landscape politically and 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 culturally? That's affecting your lives, or are there are there many other young farmers just getting into it, or or what's what's kind of like emerging in your mind right now about this coming season? Yeah, um, well, it's interesting because you know while while you know local food and local farms are are such the rage in Austin and in Texas, I mean it's not it's not traditionally vegetable farming land down here. You know, I mean, most, you know, Texas's history is sort of ranching and cattle and meat and all that. Um, so that's sort of interesting is sort of, you know, blazing that sort of trail with, with actually vegetable farming and finding land for vegetable farming and, and all of that. Um, and then I, there's definitely, there's definitely a small community of, um, 
of young farmers. It's not. It's nowhere near as big as the community I found in New York or the Northeast in general. Um, but there's a there's a small and very dedicated community of of farmers, sort of you know sub 35, um, who are are really along the same path as Travis and me. You know, who sort of did some interning, you know, did some work, and now are in this sort of like liminal space where they don't think that they're ready to have their own land, but they you know they want to try something. So. I think that's where Skip and Aaron's program that they're trying to establish with Travis and I is going to become really important, and I, you know, I think it would be great to see more of it. Ooh, sorry. Well, isn't it fun to be at the beginning of a community and to be, like, the first stage? Like, did you read that book, Old Pioneers? No. Um, it's by Willa Cather, mm-hmm. and... Um, there's farmer girl. She's a young farmer. Her, her father, right? Her father dies, and he had worked and worked and worked to get the land. And you know, she's only about 16 years old, but she takes on responsibility for the farmer. And at the uh-huh. age of 17, she's, you know, she takes out loans and debt in order to buy more and more land. And under her, under her, you know, care and and watchful eye, the whole scene evolves of her. You know, her. She's up on a ridge. This is in mm. um, Nebraska. Anyway, the point of the story is she was there first, and it was kind of scary and, and vulnerable and, and, you know, really intense. But she she was kind of the broody mother hen and and, and held her fort and, and watched the thing change into change into its potential. So, uh-huh. I don't know. I, I kind of... I kind of feel like just compared to, you know, New York compared to, you know, California, the scene is a lot kind of younger, the local food scene. And yeah. that it means that there's space available for, you know, more and different kinds of entrepreneurship and new approaches yeah. and, and, you know, leadership, which is, you know, which is, a, you know, it's special. It's special to have yeah. that opportunity. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's really like, there's like a handful of us here in Austin and we go and like get beers together and it's just, it's exciting to sort of hear everybody's experiences and, and see what new ideas they have and, you know, it's, so it's great. Um, so let's talk about, let's talk about challenges um, okay. just for a second and then if you have any announcements that that people should know about or institutions that you've been finding to be really relevant um, and, and useful to you that, that may not have already been on, on everyone's screen. Okay. You can start so with challenges. challenges. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Challenges. Uh, there are many, I would say. Um, I think that the biggest challenge for me um, I mean, it really it really depends on how you how you find yourself in farming, you know. But I think that the biggest challenge that everybody is going to kind of face is that there's no real clear path into how you get into farming, you know. There's sort of you know you don't like you don't like go like if you want to be an accountant, you don't like go to school and then like find a job in a farming firm and then you're an accountant, you know. It's like farming is like you ha- you have to really learn by doing. You have to kind of like search out these internships that don't pay you anything, you know, you're, you're usually living on somebody else's land, it's it's pretty insecure for a while. And then, you know, finding jobs on a farm can be pretty tough because most, you know, small organic growers just don't hire that many people. Um, and so, in my experience, it's just been persistence, <laughs> just 
sort of stubbornness that has got that have gotten us through that. Um, so I think that's a pretty big challenge, and it would be nice to to see a little bit more like support and structure sort of rallying around pe- young people who are serious about going into farming. Oh well, that's convenient. That's my whole mission in life. Well, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Like the green ones. <laughs> yeah. Um. So clear. So it's nice to hear that said, and um, and I do agree that there is something about the stubbornness that is a part of farming. But that you know, my we were meeting these great farmers up in, in near Ithaca, New York, who, um whose farm plan involves planting hundreds and hundreds of fruit trees. And, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they have off-farm jobs. Their payout isn't, you know, they're planning for their payout to come in, like, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they're just, like, audacious. You know, they're, they're, they're planting orchards where everyone else is ripping orchards out. And, yeah, um, right. You know, and, and this lady was kind of, who was a born business-minded lady, she's like, I don't understand how they think that can, you know, be viable. And, you know, this is really yeah. un unrealistic and I said, Well, you know, in every you know, if we were in a different era, these people might have been, you know, whalers or pirates. You know, there's just something <laughs> yeah. in the psyche of some people where they're just like um stubborn and yeah. wanting to make something happen. So yeah. farming is is in that way a great medium for that particular kind of um person. <laughs> I definitely agree because, you know, when 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 somebody said, when a young person who sort of has their, you know, their sort of standard education and, you know, is going into life that suddenly says, I want to be a farmer, you know, most of the people around them sort of look at them like they're crazy and they have to sort of proceed from there. So, so it's nice to have support, you know. Well, and, you know, crazy people are much more interesting anyway. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> Um, well, I really thank you for being on, and thank you also for sending in your Young Farmer essay. Um, our collection is very high, and I've gotten a lot of uh, emails on the website, a lot of emails from people who didn't make the deadline. I want to say to them, <clears throat> you know, we greenhorns are not that good at deadlines. So if you've got something started, just finish it right up and send it over so we can um, be sure to look it over. We're having our um, meeting, our book meeting next week. Um, up in Oregon. So, if it gets to us before the fifth of February, you're you know you're in the consideration pile. Um, <laughs> and that's all. That's all. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Well, I could, I guess I could. As for announcements, I could direct people to my blog, which is about sort of transitioning to farming. Oh yeah, please do tell us your blog. Yeah, well, it's called Dissertation to Dirt. And it's www.dissertationtodirt.com. <laughs> so. Okay, all you dissertations, don't desert the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, NASA. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Radiance, Radio Audience. Bye-bye.